Hello, and welcome to Integrity Through Compliance, AMI's business success series. My name is Brenda Morris, and I'm a Managing Director of Corporate Compliance and Business Oversight. This podcast was created by seasoned compliance experts at Affiliated Monitors to speak practically to your business needs. During this series, you will hear from AMI's experts in corporate compliance, healthcare, government contracts, antitrust, manufacturing, education, and more, who will provide their observations on industry trends geared to raise your awareness and to protect your brand. So grab a cup of coffee and join us as we guide you and your business to integrity through compliance. Hello, this is Brenda Morris, Managing Director at Affiliated Monitors. On today's podcast, we will introduce you to a new professional organization through its founder and CEO, Jennifer Newton. The organization is the National Association of Black Compliance and Risk Management Professionals. Before we introduce you to Jennifer, I'd like to first introduce you to my friend, my affiliated monitor colleague, and today's co-host, Dion Lomax. Sure, Brenda. Thank you so much. You know, I have to say in full disclosure, Brenda and I have only been working together for a few short months, but we, we're like best friends. We feel like we've been working together for forever. So she's family. So this is, uh, it's a pleasure doing this with you, Brenda. And so, yes, I'm Dion Lomax. I am AMI's Managing Director of Antitrust and Trade Regulation. And in this role, I'm responsible for setting the overall strategy for client matters involving competition and trade regulation across a broad range of industries. And so, and I'm delighted to have with us here, and we are, we are both delighted to have with us Jennifer Newton. Jennifer Newton is the founder and CEO of the National Association of Black Compliance and Risk Management Professionals. And so, Jennifer, I'll kick it over to you to say a few words about yourself. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dion and, and Brenda. It's such a pleasure to to be with with you all today to, to talk a little about uh, myself and and also the the great work we're doing at the National Association of Black Compliance and Risk Management Professionals. So a little bit about myself, as you mentioned, Dion, I am the CEO and founder of the National Association of Black. Um, compliance and risk management professionals. And so I know that that's a very lengthy name, but we we did want it to be all encompassing of the of the work that we do. So but for everyone, we do have a short acronym that we we like to use. We refer it to um, the organization as NABCRM. So for the purpose of this discussion, I know saying the the full organization name can be kind of wieldy. Um, so so going forward, we can say NABCRM, and that's how I'll referred to it. But essentially, um, I'm pleased to be the founder and the CEO of, of NABCRUMP, um, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has been created with the sole focus to amplify and support the professional development of Black professionals working in compliance and risk management. And I'm excited to be talking to you today about all of the work that we look to do and, and some of the work that we've been currently doing and our our understanding and our current outlook on on how you know current events um, may may impact that. So really excited to be here. This is all exciting. I mean, 
Both Dion and I have a background from the Department of Justice. So, of course, leaving the Department of Justice and going out in the private sector and in-house, we are always kind of pegged in that compliance area, which I'm happy to own. Uh, I love compliance. I mean, of course, our careers go beyond that. But compliance, I think, is one of those necessary components of any organization. Can you tell us a little bit about who the members are and what their backgrounds are? Sure. So in terms of members, we have individuals that um, essentially work in a variety of of different industries, different uh, business sectors, um, ranging from the financial services industry, health and life sciences, um, government. We have some individuals that work for nonprofits. And so the idea really was to create an organization that really encompassed the broad nature of compliance and how it does tend to be more so across industry uh, fields um, in which individuals who work in compliance and risk management may work in in various different types of of fields. Um, And so our, our members they encompass that and they reflect that. And so we have folks that work in in banking, uh, financial services, um, that work for financial institutions, that work for health organizations, that work for uh, retail. Um, and so it runs the gamut um, about to do because we know that working in compliance covers um, a variety of different industries and, and different sectors. And so that's what the body of our membership reflects. That that's wonderful. And are, do you have members that um, aren't African American or other minorities? We do, we do, and 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 that's one of the things that we set out to do because you know our organization is intended, yes, to to support and amplify the voices of Black professionals that work in the compliance and risk management space. But to that endeavor, we we know that it, it takes a village, right? And and so we are welcoming and, and open to. Um, individuals, organizations that um, embody our mission, embody our goals, and uh, see themselves as allies in their effort to um, obtain diversity and equity and inclusion. And so we welcome individuals and organizations that are committed um, to, to those goals. And so that would encompass, of course, individuals that may not necessarily be African-American, but who share the same ideals, who share the same values, um, as the organization. So it is not limited to solely just African-Americans or Black people working in compliance and risk. So Jennifer, you mentioned the the mission of NAPCRUMB and having spearheaded diversity and equity initiatives myself in the private sector, I am reminded that one of the questions that's often asked when one is engaged in spearheading diversity or equity initiatives of any kind often is, okay, well, why is this important and and what's the business case for this? And so in the world of compliance, I mean, what do you think is the business case for diversity in the compliance space? Well, from my perspective, you know, I I think compliance plays a unique role in, in organizations as sort of the gatekeeper for managing risk throughout the organization or the enterprise. And from from my perspective, since organizations understand and fully grasp risk, whether we're talking about regulatory risk, 
whether we're talking about um, financial risk, it's something that a lot of organizations typically grasp and they understand very well. And one of the things that that I think organizations have not been um, that great at in the past is understanding the risk that's posed from a, a lack of um, diversity and inclusion um, internally and externally to the organization. And so as the gatekeepers and, and the, the stewards of managing risk in the organization, my personal view is that compliance professionals have um, an obligation to manage all aspects of risk, including risk um, that presents itself um, from the lack of diversity and inclusion in the organization and externally. And so I think that compliance professionals and those who work in the risk space have a unique vantage point. And in that role in being the, the managers of risk, our goal, our jobs are to identify risk in, in all of its forms. And that could be risk that comes from failure to create an, a diverse and inclusive space for your employees, uh, the one that reflects what your customers or your clients are looking for. And that does pose risk to the organization. And it's, it, it no longer um, should be seen as, as a human resource issue. And I think that's sort of um, been played out in, in a lot of events that have transpired you know, last year and, and just throughout the years. But because of the, the potential impact that the failure to create um, a diverse and inclusive space has or could have on, on the enterprise, on companies, that's what makes it a business issue that compliance should be involved in, in, in making sure to, to address and to create systems and, and frameworks that manage the risk that's posed from a failure to, to create diverse and, and inclusive spaces. And so we, we have this mantra that is, you'll see it through, embedded throughout um, a lot of the work that we do, but we essentially believe to our core that diversity and inclusion are essential aspects to risk governance. And that's because that we see diversity and inclusion as being essential to making sure that organizations are managing risk in all of their forms and including the risk that comes from failing to have diversity and inclusion embedded throughout the, the organization. So I'll, I'll stop there. And, and I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit more about that, but happy to delve in that a little bit further. Well, we're, we're really excited about this subject because not only because of Dion's background and my background, being former prosecutors with DOJ, but also, too, the fact that we now find ourselves as colleagues at Affiliated Monitors. And Affiliated Monitors is one of the few companies that's out there that actually is in that compliance space. I mean, it's one of those things that we agree totally with you, that compliance is an ongoing effort. And it's something that if your clients, if uh, the organization is proactive about the statistics, the surveys all prove that you have a better, healthier company, as well as folks who want to come to work. Um, they know that their organization is responsible. Also, too, there's the enforcement action, and that's oftentimes where AMI comes into play when a company or organization or an individual, a doctor, uh, a pharmacist, anyone who has a license has found themselves in trouble and the government has come in on board to say, we've got to rectify this or you may lose your license. You may suffer criminal penalties as well as civil penalties. So AMI comes in and what we do is remediate the issue 
for um, enforcement. We also act in a proactive manner for companies that understand the importance of compliance and they want to do that due diligence proactively. So especially now where ESG is so important and you hear that coming out of every boardroom, you hear that as part of the objectives from all these in-house organizations, environmental, social, and governance is, you know, the buzzword for right now. But I'd like to hear a little more, too, from you, Jennifer, that where compliance is a continuum. It's not just what's hot today or, what, as you said, what's in the personnel or HR office. This is something that actually is a holistic approach to companies, and it's for their good. Could you talk a little bit about those benefits? Absolutely. You know, when we talk about compliance, and that's one of the the great things about our organization is that it sort of encompasses all aspects of compliance and, and the various roles that individuals play throughout the life cycle, I guess, of compliance and risk. And um, when we talk about the purpose of compliance, um, essentially it's tied to how an organization um, manages their risk. And in organizations, um, at least the large organizations, do a good job at identifying what those risks are. So they use organizations like like yours to identify what some of those risks could be, whether it's regulatory risk, financial risk. If you are a financial institution, you, you may have liquidity risk. The full, the full gamut of, of different issues could eventually create problems for the organization. And it's the potential impact that the failure to mitigate those risks could have on the organization, so, to me, is what makes it a business issue that requires compliance to be important for organizations to take some initiative, some efforts to create a compliance management program. Um, because the failure to do so, the failure to mitigate risk creates potential issues that could, could show up in you know, reputation, in financial um, impacts, in, in regulatory and legal sanctions. So in essence, that's the business case for the management of compliance um, it, within your organization. And so it's great to to have organizations like yours that are working with organizations to see the value in making sure that there's a framework to manage regulatory requirements, um, to be responsive to regulators, because the failure to do so can create significant um, and systemic negative impact on, on organizations. So absolutely, there's, there's a business case for, for compliance in general. And compliance, I think you hit on this too, it takes all forms. Um, to be a compliance expert, you really have to be a jack of all trades. You really have to be a utility player because an issue in compliance doesn't come in a nice little package and it's always from the finance side or it's always from your third parties. It comes in so many different varieties, so you have to be open. And I think the diversity of thought that diverse individuals bring, just in your life experiences too, adds so much depth to any organization that's really open to acknowledging and wanting to be better. Because like you said, integrity, the, the integrity of an organization, once you have a tarnish or a stain on that, your brand is affected sometimes forever. And if not forever, for a very long time. And if the government gets involved, you're lucky if you're just paying a penalty. So it's so advantageous to think about it on the front end than rather pay for it on the back end. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you you see that playing out with organizations who find themselves in um, very sticky, sticky situations where they weren't always that great at identifying um, potential risk um, or chose to ignore potential risk. And the result has been, you know, a, a tarnishing of of their brand or, you know, or they, they suffered a reputation hit and and the reputation hit, you know, what, what organizations need to understand, that actually brings regulatory scrutiny. <laughs> exactly. That's absolutely right. And the other thing, it, it brings regulatory scrutiny, but also you think about tarnishing the brand, that brand tarnishment because of social media can last forever, right? Yeah. It, it, it's something that a company may not be able to recover from depending on how, how bad or how egregious the issue is. Absolutely. And you don't want your shareholders to lose faith in you. I mean, that's that's what really happens. If shareholders start losing faith in a company, you know, that's a death knell. Absolutely. And I, t- I tend to chuckle when I think about how the paradigm has sort of changed throughout the years and how now more so uh, customers and clients, they don't allow you to forget either. And so the change in in the, the client base and and has affected how organizations need to sort of manage their reputation a lot better because it does pose potential risk and and when you look at it how customers patronize or chose to patronize businesses in the past historically the the prior generation before this this new millennial and generation Zers were more focused on, you know, the cost efficiency, the value proposition of, of what organizations are providing, and and just very basic business traits, you know, that that corresponded well with the, the product that you're getting. Um, but now it seems that you know this new generation, the way that they decide whether to patronize organizations is tied a little bit to some of those factors that we that historically we've seen in the past. But a lot of it aligns with how well the organization um, aligns itself with their core values. And so this generation, and I think it has to do with their now, their, their access to, to information um, due to technology. What's important for them is now so inter, intertwined into, into to values and, and what's important to them. So they will research an organization to see how the organization treats its employees. What is the, how does the organization view environmental uh, friendly uh, policies. So those are the things that sort of are really driving demand. And so organizations that fall on the wrong side of some of those values that clients and customers and the public are now demanding can face some severe reputation um, tarnishing. And so that that's what's been interesting is to see how this change in the in, in sort of the kinds of clients and 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 the the customers and and what's important to them has sort of changed the way that the organizations now market themselves and brand themselves, um, whether it's it's a socially conscious organization or whether it's the organization that that is consistently looking to align itself with values that correspond with their their customers. But now so much the failure to do that can pose some severe risk. And um, and that's one of the things that it's been interesting to see how pressure from customers, from the public, can change what an organization does. And, and, and it may not have anything to do with the actual products that they're serving. It may just have to do with the practices that the organization embodies and engages in. 
So that's been interesting to, to see. I just wanted to sort of mention that. So let's do the, the horn of your organization for a minute. Now, Nabscrum is a pretty young organization, but you've gotten some pretty heavy sponsorship. Target and Amazon? Yeah, yeah. So and that's been exciting to see. So um, a little bit of background. We, the organization was founded initially as a LinkedIn group um, in 2019. And so we just had a, a, an online presence and it was open to individuals that wanted to share resources related to compliance and, and risk management. And then in August of last year, we launched it as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And the decision to do that actually centered around a lot of the impetus that we were seeing with with relating to some of the events that had transpired, George Floyd and and organizations' um, commitments to to supporting um, diversity and inclusion initiatives and rallying around um, Black Lives Matters. And so we thought it would be a great time, better than never, <laughs> to launch as an organization where we can corral the resources um, and leverage off of the efforts that organizations were committing themselves to, to try to create an organization that would be really focused on um, providing value to Black compliance and risk management professionals. And so it seems that we were right on target, right on point with, with that, because um, it has taken off since then. So now we have about like 100 individual members. And then we have now just gained two corporate sponsors. And um, Amazon is one. We're very excited uh, to welcome Amazon as a corporate sponsor, um, but also Target. Target joined as a corporate sponsor. And and what that says to us is that these organizations are showing themselves to to be committed to supporting um, and amplifying the the voice and the work of organizations that are seeking to create diverse and inclusive spaces for employees and, and individuals. So we're excited that it's taken off and, and um, we've developed some momentum and look forward to growing even larger. And this is so timely. I mean, now we have a new administration coming on board with Biden um, and Harris. And I will throw in the plug here that both Dion and I are Howard U grads. Woo-hoo. You know, you, you know. Anyway, um, so we, we are very happy to see Kamala Harris get in there and have one of our, our alum in, in the White House. So that's a, a very exciting thing. Now, in wrapping up, could you please tell us how the Biden administration, what you see different from the Trump administration? You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll just say this because, you know, we, we are a bipartisan um, focused organization and, and we are in that regard. You know, we we were open to both, you know, to the prior administration as, as well. I mean, look forward to supporting this administration and their efforts. Absolutely. Um, the, the main thing that we see, of course, is um, at least from from what we can tell from you know prior commitments made on the campaign trail is, is that um, at least this administration is seeking to create a much more inclusive and equitable, I guess, cabinet and, and, and decision-making process. Um, and, and that's important because, you know, as, as we know, people expect there to be representation that reflects the communities that they serve. And so out the gate, we are or, or have been um, pleased to see that the Biden and Harris administration is, is making a solid effort at making sure 
that the cabinet and and the leadership, those who are at the helm of leadership, uh, reflect the demographics and the diversity of America. And that's important because people people want to, 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 to they can't be what they can't see. And it's important for there to be um, representation that reflects the vast racial and ethnic and religious differences um, that we see embedded throughout America. And so we've, we've been pleased to see see that. Not to say that the, the, the Trump administration hasn't made um, any strides in that regard, but we've, we've seen at least those, those commitments play out um, immediately with some of the new appointments. So we're very excited. And then also, so one of the things that we were a little bit concerned about and um, and disappointed with what the prior administration had to do with with that. Uh, so it was an executive order that um, that was issued by uh, the, the Trump administration that seems to to be focused on either um, canceling those those contractual um, agreements with organizations that advanced or supported the the idea of of systemic racism. And so from I believe from the, the prior administration's perspective is, is that those principles uh, potentially from their vantage point didn't um, necessarily have 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 merit. And, and and we could go on and on about why why they why they found that there. But that was concerning because, of course, there are organizations that do a lot of, of contractual work with with the federal government. So even if you are are not a federal agency, you you would be impacted if you are a private organization that does diversity consulting or provides training to any uh, facet of a federal a government agency. And the training, you know, for provides you know any insight or 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 uh, the foundation is based on off of s- systemic racism theories. Um, you would be impacted. And so what it required some of these agencies to do is to go back in their contracts and review the potential uh, organizations and, and the work that they're doing to make sure that that none of the, the organizations um, are doing work that supports that theory. And so that's problematic because most organizations start with the concept of, you know, there's systemic racism in America. And if, if you know, and that's kind of what what informs the work, why why there's diversity and inclusion efforts needed. So that was intended to affect a lot of the the organizations and a lot of the diversity and inclusion work. So we were pleased to to see that um, with this coming administration, they have have indicated that they're looking to rescind that that executive order. And we know that there's there's litigation. We know the NAACP also filed a lawsuit to challenge the the executive order. So um, that's important because, you know, we've made a lot of strides in 2020. You know, it, it's unfortunate a lot of the events that happened with, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, but the, 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 the one thing that's been positive out of this, out of those events has been the commitments and the work and, and the conversations that have been, have been had about diversity and inclusion. And so organizations have now decided to 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 really do some work internally and and even externally working with with um, with groups that are that are organized around these issues to try to create much more diverse and inclusive and equitable workspaces and so we don't want to see that work to go away um, we don't want that to just only be a moment we want that that work to continue on and so to have an administration that that sees the value 
in in that is important to 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 us and I'm sure to to folks that are working in in this space. And so we we were very pleased to to see that that that's that's a priority for the administration and that they are are, are going to be committed to ensuring um, that they are supporting organizations, corporations that are promoting diversity and inclusion as a principle. And you know, so so we're we're excited about that. Well, we're excited to have you as a guest, and we are excited about this organization. In 2021, there shouldn't be any excuse from any organization when they say, you know, how do we find diverse talent? I mean, we're out here. And we're willing and able with vast experience, diverse experience, not just by the color of our skin. So we thank you for being part of our expert podcast. And just in closing really quickly, how would organizations get in touch with you? What is the best way? Sure. So we we have a website, www.nabcrmp.org where organizations can um, find information about um, what we do, our mission, our values, and what we're, we're seeking to do as, as an organization. Also, they can uh, feel free to, to connect with us on all of the social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, even Twitter. <laughs> so we're all over. And um, also they can email me as well. Um, you know, I'm happy to... to to provide my email address. It's jennifer at napcrum.org. So no, thank you so much, Brenda and Dion, for providing us with a platform to talk about what it is that we do and the work because we really truly believe that it's important and hope that we can continue these discussions going forward so that we can really create transformative change in our day-to-day. Well, we again, are excited to have you. And this has been wonderful to get to know you and your organization. We will also have your contact information on our podcast page at AMI Affiliates. We will make sure that, you know, we will keep the the word out and um, we will definitely have you back again. Oh, yes. We look forward to working with Nab Crump and with you, Jennifer, in the future. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining Affiliated Monitor's podcast, Integrity Through Compliance, AMI's Business Success Series. Today's segment is just a sample of the subject matter expertise captured by AMI's compliance professionals. Go to our website at www.affiliatedmonitors.com to view the comprehensive list of industry and in-house talent AMI has available to enhance professional and business integrity programs and controls. Also connect with us on LinkedIn to receive updates and trends in the areas of enforcement and compliance. If you have any questions about today's podcast or would like to learn more, please contact us at podcasts at affiliatedmonitors.com. Our Affiliated Monitors podcast production team of Dolores Syed, our compliance associate, Dan Barton, our editor and podcast music composer, and me, Brenda Morris, Managing Director, Corporate Compliance and Business Oversight. Look forward to you joining us again for our next installment of Integrity Through Compliance, AMI's Business Success Series.